Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So I have a poem that's written by Mary Oliver from Devotions, and this is entitled Lines Written in the Days of Growing Darkness. If that rings a bell with somebody, it does with me for sure. Every year we have been witness to it, how the world descends into a rich mash in order that it may resume, and therefore Who would cry out to the petals on the ground and say to stay, knowing as we must, how the vivacity of what was is married to the vitality of what will be? I don't say it's easy, but what else will do if the love one claims to have for the world be true? So let us go on cheerfully enough this and every crisping day, though the sun be swinging east, and the ponds be cold and black, and the sweets of the year be doomed. Now as we come into this time of talking about transformation, we've been singing Imagine the People of God now for three weeks, and in the, in the song we sing, Trusting the Courage to Change. If you didn't get that, it's trusting the courage to change. Just because we think we know it, we don't pay attention to it. You also may have noticed that your scripture this morning wasn't read out of a familiar resource. It came from Eugene Peterson's The Message because I truly believe that we need to hear God's word in different forms from time to time because we think we know it all because we've heard it over and over and over again. And we forget that we need to hear this message repeatedly in order to live this message. Like I said to the kids, change is a four-letter word in church. I know that. I've tried to come up with a different one. Transform is a little too heady for most people, and it also reeks of toys, at least in my world. So talking about change is one of those things that we need to recognize as holding on to what we have had does not necessarily get us where we need to go. Now I've shared this little bit with you, but not all of you. About a month or so ago, 
we were looking for something in the office. And they said, well, maybe it's in the safe. But neither Dawn nor Anne have the combination to the safe. And I said, well, I do. So we unlocked the safe. And oh my goodness, what a bunch of junk you had stored in that safe. It was unbelievable. You had in that safe those little floppy disks, the hard ones, that nobody in the whole wide world even has a place to stick them into anymore, but you saved them. We also found an envelope with $200 in it, which was a very nice find. And there were two little drawers, about this big, wooden drawers, but they're locked. So we found a key, sweet little key, that says bottom drawer of safe, okay? The bottom drawer of the safe. There are two little drawers, one on top of the other, so you have a top drawer and a bottom drawer. Put it in the bottom drawer, nothing happened. Put it in the top drawer, nothing happened. Turn the little paper over. On the back of this, it says, this key fits nothing. <laughs> but because we are a church, because we never throw anything away, because somebody might invent a lock that this key will fit sometime in the next 400 years, so we keep it even though this key fits nothing. Now, there are things that are very important. George Fryer brought me a stack of historical things that are wonderful, sweet, things that need to be kept. But we are so averse to throwing anything away or moving forward that we probably have things in filing cabinets that are obsolete. We may have things in locked filing cabinets that we don't have a key for. So it's, you know, it's one of those things with change that really puzzles me. We transformed the safe from a catch-all storage place for junk that nobody knew what to do with, but it must have been important at some point or another was safe that's now virtually empty. I'm very proud of that. But we also find ourselves hanging on to things that we do not need in our lives. We hang on to grudges, and I know all about that. I have a grudge I've been holding on to for some time now. I'm not quite ready to let it go, but I do recognize it as a grudge and something I need to let go. I struggle with how we hold on to fear. We're so afraid of the other. I believe that part of our issue with 9-11 and not being able to grieve it is that we have been able to draw a line in the sand and say we are on this side of that line and the other is over here. I believe the schism in our culture began with 
I believe that we have decided that we can have ins and outs, that the people who belong and the people who don't, the people who are favored by God and those who are not, the people who have the Bible as their foundation and the people who use it as a crutch, and we've separated. We look at each other with funny little expressions in our eyes and funny little expressions in our hearts. I don't tell EP what to play on Sunday morning, but change our hearts, oh God, is a wonderful, wonderful song, one of my favorites. But if we're not willing to change our hearts, but we're going to ask somebody else to change theirs to accommodate us, how does that work? How does that line up with who we are or whose we are? We've drawn a line in our denomination as those who are welcoming and those who are not. What is this going to end up looking like? I don't know. And as much as I stand firm with the United Methodist Church, it's not without a huge amount of pain at seeing some of my friends leave. It is very, very difficult to find a place where we can all be together and not be doing any finger pointing. We're real good at it real good at it. If we are going to truly imagine who we can be, who are we as the children of God, who are we as the people of God, if we're really going to imagine what that could look like, we have to give up some of what we think we are and look at who we really are. Do we welcome everybody the way we say we do? Does everyone in here feel that they are warmly welcomed when they walk in the door? Or are there some people who say, I'm not so sure. I don't know if I belong. I've always been one of those people who didn't feel like I belonged. I've always been that way. But I went to visit the church that I raised my children in, the church that sent me to seminary. I went for a special music service that they had. There was a gentleman who plays the organ at another church who was putting together a music program for churches that don't have any musicians. He had grown up in Remsen and had deep roots there. And I walked into this church where my very best friend is the head trustette, and she is also the treasurer. And other than Catherine, one person spoke to me. One. Now, I had my children in that church, was a member of that church for 30 years. One person spoke to me. So I mentioned to Kath about 
because I can, you know, because I like to. So I mentioned to her, you know, nobody spoke to me except for Pat. And she says, well, they were all a flutter. And I said, they should have been all a flutter because they had something special going on. That's reason to be all a flutter. But the people who aren't members of that church need to be welcomed. I wasn't a stranger. Did they just assume that I belonged there? They certainly took my check. But truly, until that church changes, I say they're looking at maybe 10 years. They can't have Sunday school in that church because there aren't any kids. Hmm. There is a school up the street where, granted, it's a small school, but there are fewer than 500 kids in that school, K-12, pre-K-12, but if half of those kids are Catholic, you've got 250 kids to work with. If 10% of them go to another church, eh, we'll give them half of those kids go to another church. You've got 125 kids. If you take half of them that don't want to go to church, you've still got 60 kids. Come on, you've got kids. You've got kids. I've mentioned here, there are children in this neighborhood, scads of children in this neighborhood. If you want to build a Sunday school, you connect with the families in your front yard. You connect with all these community, all these houses around here. You talk to these people. What can we do for you? Not, come on, we want your butt in the pew, but what can we do for you? How can we be Jesus for you? Ooh, that's a big change. That's going to make you really uncomfortable. I can't do it. It's probably going to take you two years, maybe three, to cultivate those relationships. Great place to start is with a trunk or treat. I bet because we have a relationship with Abbott Downing that they would be willing to put flyers out for the kids to take home. Do it on Sunday afternoon before Halloween. People, I'll bring a whole pile of candy from BJ's when I come back, but you can have trunks out here. Kids can dress up. Adults can dress up. Who doesn't like to dress up in a costume? If I were going to be here, I would dress up as a witch. I'm a scary witch. But it would be a way to connect with the people in the neighborhood. It's the best way I know to start something that you have to start from the ground up. Seriously, you need to change unless you're very comfortable the way you are. If you like the way you are right now, then don't change. 
But that's not what I'm hearing when I talk to people. What I'm hearing is we're worried about empty pews. We're concerned about the lack of children. We really would like to know where people are. If you want to know where they are, ask them. What can we do for you? How can we reach out to you? It sounds like it's hard work, and it is, but the rewards are amazing. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and Aaron is the director of Vital Congregations in the Upper New York Annual Conference. And Aaron and I have been friends, oh, gee, probably 20 years. And Aaron said, churches are not going to close because of lack of people. They're going to close because of stagnation. Stagnation, just make sure everybody hears that. To make sure that you don't become a stagnant church, you need an infusion of new ideas. That's part of the reason that I'm here. And I know I make people nervous, and I know I make people uncomfortable, and I can see people squirming in their seat, and I can also hear people, we tried that once before and it didn't work, but try it again. Sometimes you have to do the same thing five times before it really hooks people. If the church of Jesus Christ is going to survive, we have to start relying on Jesus Christ. If we are thinking that we can do all this stuff by ourselves without any help from Jesus, we're already losers in that game. If we have an idea, and it seems to be working even a little bit, that's the sign of blessing. If you have an idea, and you decide to do the trunk or treat, and nobody shows up, not a single solitary soul, does that mean you just give up, or do you try it again next year? Just think of all the candy you'll have. Oh, that's exciting. But really, becoming the hands and feet of Jesus is hard work. It's difficult work. Sometimes it feels like an uphill battle. But when you get to the top of that hill, and you can look over and you see glory land, Jesus is saying, well done, good job, congratulations, let's go find another hill. We're never going to be done with the work of the kingdom. It's not a one and done. We need to be transformed by the power of Christ's love in our lives. If you have had an experience of Jesus and you're keeping it to yourself, you've missed the point. Having an experience of Jesus compels you to share that experience with love, 
with compassion, with joy, with all of the things that fill our hearts. So be ready, folks. Transformation is on its way. Amen.